by finances, investing, estate, and retirement planning? Well, I went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances and with Kathy and Jennifer. about investing in precious metals, how to buy it, and is it right for you? So we were talking about things that we that we were thinking of investing in and some things that were sort of outside of the box versus traditional stocks and bonds. And we came up with gold and silver. That is not something that I'm invested in directly. What about you? We do actually have gold stocks. So we have we have a little bit of it in our portfolio, yes. And is that we don't have gold bars buried out back for anyone who's listening. Good to know. Good to know. Is that though part of an ETF? Do you know, or do you have stocks in companies that dig up gold? I believe they're the in mining companies, not an, not an ETF. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we started looking at our research on Investopedia's webpage, and it was super helpful. For over 6,000 years, we have been in love as people with these shiny metals. Gold was found in Bulgaria almost 4,000 years ago. The Egyptians began smelting the gold and separating it from the ore in 3100 BC. And they wrote about gold and silver, stating that it was stating that one part gold was equal to two and a half parts silver, which is a switch from now. Yes. So that ratio has slowly moved so that gold is now higher and trades at about 50 to 70 to one. So for every ounce of silver, gold was 50 to 70 times more valuable. When the Spanish arrived in the New World, they found that they had something in common with the Incas, and that was their love of gold and silver. They used it for objects that they could barter or trade. And then around 600 BC, it became money and was then traded as such. So 50%, so this is interesting, 50% of gold's demand is actually for jewelry. And 40% is from bars, coins, and bullion, um, which is a physical bar or coin stamped with its purity. People feel that paper is riskier than actual metal. So they prefer to have that, what, like the bar, the coin, some something more tangible than paper. Part of that is because it's very portable, right? That it's something you could take with you in a moment's notice if you needed to. Investors like gold and silver as a way to diversify their portfolio, not to have too many of any one type of product that you're investing in. So you don't have just stocks or just bonds. And that's part of this diversified portfolio is having things like gold and silver into it because it'd be very different. For example, as great as Amazon is, and when I just last checked, it was selling for 3,159 a share. You could have bought it in 2015-ish for about $700 a share. And that is a $2,300 gain in five years. Wow, that is a lot. Yeah. If you put all of your money into Amazon and make a lot of money, if it goes down, though, it's a huge danger that you'll lose everything. So the idea of diversifying is to put your money in all kinds of different buckets so that if something happens to one industry, then you'll still be making money in another. By having purchased many types of companies or commodities, the actual commodities are actual things like hogs and corn and silver and such. You'll get a better return when one company or a sector in that same business like pharmaceuticals actually goes down. One benefit of owning a physical metal is that you can actually hold it. Like Kathy was saying, you can hold it, you can store it, you can use it. And being able to touch something gives people like more of a sense of a greater satisfaction just by being able to hold or touch something. 
along with that, you can also buy stocks in mining companies, like we mentioned. You can buy metal ETFs, which are like mutual funds, or you can think of it as like a bucket of different stocks that only has metal companies in it, or even you can even own part of a mining company. And these are things that you want to seriously consider to buy and hold a company like that. So you don't have to store it yourself. Versus going out and buying, you know, six pounds of gold and trying to find a way to be responsible for that. Right. Stick into these companies and having paper is more transportable, but also like Jennifer said, she doesn't not have any gold sitting around in her yard because, you know, there's a risk to that as well. Yeah. Let's talk about gold right now. It is loved for its many features. It does not rust or corrode. You can shape it easily. It conducts heat and electricity well, which means it's good for using in circuits. It's also a form of money and people really dig wearing it. It is not just found alone, though. It's extracted along with either silver or copper. So that means that they have to be separated. And so there's some work involved in getting gold, unlike the miners or the 49ers of old, where they were just panning it out of water. This is something now that they you're, you're having to extract it from other items as well. And if you really want to find something interesting, you should look up how much gold is in seawater and how that is extracted. <laughs> so we've been plotting our new seawater extraction company here, but we might have to put it on hold. <laughs> Gold's price is not driven by the supply and demand because if somebody, somebody or many people start to hoard gold, it's an easily obtained item. And so just hoarding it does not make the price skyrocket. They can just dig more and put more back into the market again. So it's something that you don't have to worry about someone else hoarding all of it, I guess is the bottom line. Yeah, but people do hoard or there are reasons that people would want to hoard something like gold. One of the biggest ones is that they probably think that banks are untrustworthy and they would want to have gold that they can actually physically hold and keep themselves. Inflation can cause some equity and bonds to trade lower while gold often maintains its value, which is great. And war and other crises cause folks to put their money into a tangible, portable savings. So you can imagine if if you lived somewhere where you were not feeling you know, secure in, in being able to stay in your home for some reason, then having that items that you could carry with you if you had to evacuate would be better or would seem like a better idea at that time. Mm-hmm. Silver is actually more volatile. The price changes more often due to the perceived value, but it's also greatly used in industrial settings. It's sometimes hoarded just due to the um, needs of it outside of jewelry. Photography used to be a huge consumer of silver, but since we use our digital pics now and not printing so much, that has dropped dramatically. Electrical appliances, though, and medical products are all items that do use silver in them. And as the middle class grows in countries all over the world, these items are used more often, having more refrigerators and having access to more medical facilities. They're also used in batteries, semiconductors, and microcircuits. So again, an industrial use is very important for silver. This is used in so many day-to-day needs that we would use and we might not even realize it, that it remains a sought-after commodity, maybe more so than gold since it's not used as many products as silver is. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know that it was used for so many other things. So next up is platinum, and this is more rare than silver and gold, but it's also traded on common markets less 
is actually mined. Platinum is used to reduce harmful emissions from our cars and the catalytic converter, as well as in jewelry. Auto sales help to affect the price. As car sales go up, the need for platinum does too. But in 2009, American and Japanese companies started using recycled catalysts or even a related less expensive metal called palladium. You might be wondering, how can I buy these precious metals? We've mentioned ETFs, which are exchange traded funds. And that's really just a collection of stocks that are part of a similar group of commodities or types of companies. And this follows an index like it could follow the S&P 500 or a sector like industry. It might include bonds. There are also even inverse ETFs that make money by selling stocks when they expect a decline in value and then rebuying them in hopes of making a profit. You can even buy ETFs that include all three precious metals, but none of them give you a physical gold bar or a coin. So again, when we're talking about these ETFs, we are talking about buying into a, a company. You can also buy stocks and mutual funds of companies with any broker, but make sure that you do your research as always on whatever company that you're going with so that you understand how the stock is being valued. In other words, how they're charging you for the stocks. The option of buying those metals outright is there as well, but you'll need to make sure you can secure them in something like a safe deposit box. If you go that route and you decide to get a safe deposit box for this, you want to make sure that you have someone else's name as a beneficiary to your safety deposit box because they will not be able to get into it unless if you pass, unless it's been assigned to someone else as a beneficiary. So you want to make sure that if you're planning on getting gold, that you also make sure someone else's name is on the box. Should you invest in gold and silver? Well, there is no credit risk for precious metals. It does hold its value in the long term. Again, it might dip and rebound, but it in general has held its value for the long term. It's not correlated to the stock and bond markets. It trades independently of that. So again, maybe there's some companies that start to take a tumble. It's not related. The funny thing is that gold prices and gold mining company prices tend to follow each other very closely. So that's something to consider as well whether you're just going to have the product or you want to invest in the gold mining companies. It's not tied to rising inflation or global uncertainties. Again, it seems like that the price just generally continues to go up. And doing research, it seems like the advice is to own no more than 10% of gold and silver in your portfolio. Obviously, you can make any choices you'd like to, but it seems like that's sort of the rule of thumb for how much you should have. Some people buy metals like this to have in during an economic emergency. That's not necessarily advised. And Dave Ramsey actually stated as saying that at no time has gold been used as a medium of exchange of a crashed economy since the Roman Empire. We're sort of step back from that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> So bottom line, there are always benefits and shortcomings in any investment. You need to be researching carefully before you buy anything and don't buy it just because you're worried about missing out on something. You know, you've heard it's the coolest new thing, but you don't want to you don't want to make your investment choices based on that. I just want to reiterate, we do not have any gold buried in the backyard. All right. Thank you. I'll, I will keep that in mind as well. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Finances and Gold and Silver. We know you chose to listen and we are grateful. We just hit our 4,000th download this week, so we thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share and consider leaving a review because it helps bring financial education to others and it helps us be found more easily. 
Please let us know what questions you'd like answered by going to our website at financesand.net. You can now find infographics on these topics at our website and right here in the show notes. Feel free to post those on Pinterest as you would like. Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice and nothing in this podcast is to be construed as such. Always consult a tax, accounting, or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, I went to school so you don't have to. 